Um, you're probably experiencing similar levels of soreness over the course of a program and at different points in the program. Uh, totally normal, very normal. Uh, in fact, I would love for everyone to feel some sort of soreness somewhere in a program. That was a solid alliteration. Did you hear that? Do it again. I forget. <laughs> Can I forget you do what it again? the sentence was, but so many S's back to back. Did you hear that? I did. Ooh, Someone somewhere to sense some level of soreness. That's going to be something like that. That's going to my book of rhymes. I must admit that was a seemingly seamless, super solid sounding, spontaneous alliteration by James just then. And he might even do another one later on. Make sure you listen to see. So this is the Fat Pratt Chat, episode eight. As usual, I am happy to be here and I hope you can all say the same. This podcast is intended for our members of the gym here at Pratt Performance Systems. If you find yourself here and you're not a member, then welcome. We're glad to have you and I hope you enjoy and are able to get some valuable information with a few laughs along the way. In today's episode, uh, James goes all life advice on us to start off. I don't know if he meant to go this way, but it does. So he talks about uh, the fact that it sounds as though when we're doing these things, and a lot of times at work, it, it seems like we're doing what we love. And it's true, uh, at least for me and him. We're not so sure about the rest of the staff, and you can listen to find out why. Uh, but that's first up. James talks a little bit about uh, his passion for this industry and what drove him uh, to continue to do that and to continue to fight for it and then what it really means to do what you love and if that's always good advice. The questions we had from our members today, the one is essentially a question on DOMS. That is, for those of you who don't know, delayed onset muscle soreness. That is the soreness you feel in your muscles after a workout, probably about 24 hours, maybe 48 hours, somewhere in between, and you may be sore for a long time, you may be very sore, you may be mildly sore. So the question was kind of like, why am I that way? I've been working out for a while. Should I still be that way? So we give our advice on that uh, as to you know how severe it should be and what we experience in our own workouts. Next question was a tough one to answer. It's how many days should I train? And then there was another more specific answer, very similar. How many days should I train for uh, muscle growth? So the answer always depends. And we'll tell you why and we'll give out a couple scenarios as to uh, how often you should train if you want certain goals and maybe what a general good idea is for how often you should be training per week. And finally, why our gym is not much different than a daycare. And don't take offense, we're not talking about you all as the members when we talk about this. So listen, you'll figure out why. All right, let's bring in that intro music. Actually, you know what, today I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna tell the intro music when to start and I'm gonna drop the beat right about now. Ah, check that out, it worked. And you know what, I'm gonna tell it to stop right about now. And then I'm going to restart it right now. And that's it. Enjoy the show, everybody. Let's do a mic check. Mic check. Let's do a Kyle Chaos mic check. James, make sure you flex back there because I'm flexing. No, I'm staring at the wall. <laughs> the way we're, we told people we're, we're filming this podcast. <laughs> Make sure you take that last sip of coffee. Coffee's done. Slam it down a little harder next time so we can hear it on done. the table. We're ready. I haven't really talked Actually, to did you just slam something on the table? Because I can't see because I'm not looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? Something fall? Ooh, one thing I was thinking about when someone was talking. I haven't listened to any of these. So, and I don't know if I ever will. Um, not because it's not important or anything. Don't get that impression. Just listen to myself speak. It's just weird for me. I, a lot of people have said the same thing about listening to themselves talk, but I've never been able to listen to a presentation or a podcast of mine ever <laughs> or uh, nothing of that sort. So um, if, uh, 
if someone thinks I should listen to it to potentially make some corrections to how I speak or word selection or tonality or any of those things. I feel like somebody might have said something to you. I'm sure. Did they, somebody say something nobody to you? Nobody did. No, that you're just thinking that I, somebody is thinking this. Yes. Well, what I'm concerned with is what I just did, laugh. I wonder if people hear my laugh on the podcast and they're annoyed by my laugh because I've gotten mixed mixed results from my laugh historically. Some people are like, that's so funny how you laugh. And some people are like, that is really annoying. <laughs> and I, I don't know somebody, how much I care. I just don't, I don't want people to not listen because of the laugh, you know? I had somebody this week ask me, is that your real laugh when you were out on the floor and you did your classic James laugh? And they were like, is that actually a real one or is that like his fake laugh? And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it's real. Like since I've known him, that seems to be the real one. The best way to describe it is that I'm surprised that I'm laughing. <laughs> like you said something so funny that my knee-jerk reaction was to laugh, but it all just kind of bursted out at once because I didn't expect to have to laugh at what you said. So I think it's the highest of compliments. If you hear that laugh that starts out with that first really high pitch, you win. <laughs> Like you actually said something funny. Nice job. No, everybody's going to be trying to get you to, to make that noise. Outside of that, I'm very easy to make laugh. Uh, I've always had the, and I remember in college, everybody would say like, it's so great talking to you because you make me feel so good about the things I say when you laugh at them all the time. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just I, I'm easy. I find things entertaining easily that people say, especially when they're, I guess they're trying to be funny. You're easily amused. Yeah. That's yep. what you just said. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, speaking of people and their and some of their feedback on the podcast, uh, a couple of people have said something along the lines of like, you know, it seems like you guys really love what you do. Speaking of you and I doing the podcast, speaking of the staff and like having conversations with them. And uh, it made me think, I'm like, I don't know if this is the job that everybody on the staff would say that, you know, I was, I'm just dying to do this. I love what I do. This was my number one choice. For me, I'd say it's yes. John probably wishes he could just make wood and <laughs> create tables for the rest of his life. No, I've been there. I've done that. I stopped. This is it. I'm here. It's still this a hobby, though. So if it's John, still a hobby. If John had somebody match his $1 million dollar salary to make wood, <laughs> he, would, he would leave in a second to go, to go make more tables. No. it's it, You know what? When it, when it wasn't a hobby anymore, it wasn't as nice. When it became something that I needed to make money and I had deadlines and I had to meet expectations from people that wanted projects done, it was stressful. Remember and all this. of a sudden I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Remember this conversation when Finkst Woodworking opens up three years from now. <laughs> it's not good. Uh, Kyle Dorr would gladly go play baseball instead of doing this. He would. Sydney loves athletic training. I think this might be Colin's dream job. Yeah. Where does he stand with football? Is he totally done with that? I think so. Because I think yes, football yeah, was a close yeah, yeah. second. Yeah, but yeah, that was part of our, our negotiations. So I, you have to quit football if you want to be full-time here 12 months a year. And he was like, okay. And he was like, done. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Yeah, right. That's not how any conversations between Colin and I go. Yeah, so I think when I think about it, the, the quote of like, you guys really love what you do? I think so. I think that's the case. But I don't know if I would call it like a, a dream job scenario for everybody. But the point I wanted to make is this. The whole do what you love thing, I think, is decent at best advice for people uh, when they're, like, deciding on a career. And I know this isn't a life advice podcast or anything. Just turned into one. Yeah, well, it is now. From now it on, now. we give life advice. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's, there's a couple of things that have made this situation work out with me and Pratt Performance 
uh, where it, it's like, a, oh, you know, James just followed his dream and what he loves doing. And if you talk to people who knew me when I was 15, 16 years old, this was always my high interest. And there wasn't really a close second besides sports potentially. But ultimately, I'm thinking like, I don't know if I would ever advise someone to do what I did and say, you know, <laughs> do, do what you can in school. But like, really what you should be doing is writing more programs for yourself and like, you know, studying YouTube and reading uh, fitness articles and trying to get good at becoming a trainer when you're 16, 17, 18 years old, instead of taking social studies class seriously. Because that was like, that was me when I was in high school and, went and going into college. And I always thought this was going to be a fun hobby, maybe a part-time job. I never thought it would be a career. But two reasons that I think this worked out for me, that if you're going to give somebody the advice of do what you love, these have to be, these also have to be part of the equation for that person before they decide to try to make a career out of doing something they love. One. I forget. That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> well, I forget which that, order that I That meant a lot. You know, the silence, I think, really is going to get the people. Do we, do we get the, yeah, well, at least there's high anticipation for what number one is. Number one, you have to see potential in being one of the best at what you do. And, you know, the the ego thing aside, since I was, since I was 20 years old, uh, I met and talked to a lot of trainers. And I always thought that I was potentially more well-studied in the department at which they made a career in when I had conversations with them. So at a young age, I thought I was very good at this and I was training people as a part-time job. I was getting very good feedback from athletes and adults that I was training. Uh, I was training the teams at my college here and there. I was getting very good feedback on the results and how I went about training them. So I thought at a very young age that I could be very, very good at what I do and potentially in the 1% of the industry from a technicality standpoint. Like I could train everyone at a high level uh, and I would be really good at it. And then two, uh, they need to have so much love for it that they're willing to sacrifice a job that's at least two times the pay. And I just arbitrarily made up that number. But basically, <laughs> if someone said to me when I was 23 years old, hey, you're going to work in the fitness industry and you're going to make uh, $100,000 a year. And then someone else said to me, you're going to do accounting and you're going to make $200,000 a year. I would have said fitness easily. Mm-hmm. So those, I think, are the two things before, before going out and telling all these young kids these days to go and do what they love. I think those are two things that should qualify first before you say, hey, you know what? You love video games? Go ahead and play video games. And, <laughs> and, and Well, you could probably make money doing that these days on YouTube or something. Yeah, you could probably make a ton. But essentially, like the... <clears throat> I think there were a lot of reasons that this worked out the way it, it did and luck involved and in, uh, like how the, the direction the business is going and the employees and the staff and the members that we have. So all things being taken into consideration, uh, a lot of things had to work out. But ultimately, I don't know what like when people ask me like, oh, you just followed your passion. You just do what you love and you could tell I'm like, yeah, but before you use me as an example to someone else, make sure those things kind of add up. Because there was really no second interest besides coaching football that I ever had in terms of a career. Never wanted to be a lawyer. Never wanted to be a doctor. Didn't want to go back to school. Uh, didn't want to be an attorney. Didn't want to do accounting. Didn't, didn't like instruction. 
super not handy, as you could tell by I am never around when these guys are doing their work in the field house. So there was not a close second. I was all in on fitness uh, as a, to start off with. And then two, I would have definitely taken less money to do this professionally. In fact, when I found out that some people actually do this for a profession, that changed my life dramatically because I'd never heard of a full-time trainer before uh, my first internship. Once I saw that, I was even more all in than all in was before. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes, do what you love, but maybe as a hobby. Or make sure that you have those other prerequisites checked off before either doing what you love, quote unquote, or telling others to do what they love. Because I think that's a very slippery slope um, where I would, I don't know if I'd ever tell people, yeah, you know, go pursue fashion because you're passionate about it. How passionate? Passionate enough to take a pay cut and passionate enough that there's nothing else that you're anywhere remotely close to as interested in like you with woodworking <laughs> i think the analogy is more like kyle with chainsawing and cutting <laughs> dead trees down because he definitely loves that more yes. than i love any other hobby yes. that i have that's true that's what we need we need to ask kyle kyle same job same pay cutting down trees instead of training people and helping manage a fitness business what do you do he'd be out in montana we'd never see yeah him again. Yeah, it's true. Or whatever state has the most trees need to be cut down, <laughs> he'd be there. <laughs> oh. So basically, also, the slippery slope of do what you love falls apart, I think, when, when people don't have a work ethic, too. So it's like you got to be careful. Don't tell somebody to go do what they love if they don't have the work ethic because you alluded to it. Sometimes doing what you love is really hard and it's a really saturated industry and, you know, there's a lot of barriers to overcome. And if you have a really, really good work ethic, you might be able to out-hustle everybody else. And if you love it so much, you're probably going to keep at that hustle. But, uh, you know, if you're going to tell somebody that, do you know that they have that willingness to do what it takes to do what they love? Amen. That just got me pumped up. Yeah. That got me pumped. Really? Did you take, yeah. your, did you take your shirt off? Because I can't see <laughs> <laughs> That's a laugh right there. I just I just I peeked out. <laughs> I just peeked out of the corner of my eyes. He's shirtless now. <laughs> I was jumping up and down and punching myself in the face too, but you guys can't see that. I thought you were bringing up do what you love for Valentine's Day. Isn't that soon? Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I just yeah. thought of that now. Uh -oh. I'm kind of worried. When yeah. is it? Did it pass? Did we miss it? We're coming, we're coming up on it. We got a couple of days, but Oof. I've got everything covered. <laughs> well, you got your shirt off already. So. Well, by the time this <laughs> by the time this comes out, it'll be what late February. Two weeks from now? This this will come out next week, a week from now. Okay, so we'll... Week, now is the 8th, by the way, for people who don't know. Now is the 8th. This will come out seven days right. from now. So we will have already found out if our Valentine's Day was a failure in terms of, like, gift giving and... I guess we'll give a recap. experiences and all that stuff. Um, all right, yeah, so that was, that was a good point about the work ethic because, because there was no close second in what I wanted to do as a career... And because I enjoyed it so much and it has been part of my life for so long, I am, there is no doubt that I'm willing to work, I don't, I don't know, an amount of hours that I know a lot of people wouldn't want to do. And um, through the 20s, this is getting deep now, but through my 20s, this is getting deep, <laughs> through my 20s, <laughs> back in my 20s, <laughs> uh, four years ago. Uh, but through my 20s, all I did was work. The, my entire, I, I think at some point, I recorded the amount of sessions I was doing over a three-year time frame, went back in the system and checked. Um, but essentially, I was working. I never worked less than 65 hours a week for any week from age 24 to 27. 
um, no vacations, nothing. Uh, but it kind of flew by and like, you know, th- this isn't necessarily a job that like I go home and I'm like frustrated and angry over and it's just something I enjoy doing. So I thought ultimately that was important to note for people to understand there has to be like a, a really significant passion um, to do what they want to do if it's something that they love. And then also that they potentially make sacrifices early on in their career. And then, uh, you know, hopefully it all makes sense after that. But yeah, I, I think that's, uh, if I were to give a high school kid advice that we train and they said, I really want to do what I love and what I love is skateboarding. I'd be like, okay, well, we have to figure some stuff out first. Connect that kid with Rob Deerdeck, man. That's the, that's the only hope. <laughs> can you be one in the most 1%? successful skateboarders ever? <laughs> uh, can you make the 1% of skateboarding? And then are you severely passionate about it to the point that you would definitely take a pay cut? If so, if you think yes to both, then you, let's go for it. Let's do it. Make let's start training. <laughs> let's start training for skateboarding performance. Uh, all right. So, so to, to any members who think we might love what we do, at least for me and James here, it's true. Uh, we're not sure about everybody else. Check with Kyle. <laughs> Check with I Kyle. Ask who him. we going to talk to. <laughs> He's the one we're most worried about. Yeah. Yeah. Jumping on trees and cutting them down. You All go right. to questions now or should we? Yeah, let's do questions Let's go to now. questions because the next one's a good one. Yeah. The next topic is a good one. You guys are going to love that one. If you didn't love the one we just talked about, you're going to love the next one. <laughs> All right. Put your shirt back on. Let's go to questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we had a question on soreness. I'm going to kind of summarize it because it was kind of a long question. But I think a lot of you have been here. Uh, here it is. Why am I still sore, quote, all the time? I have been working out five times a week since September, but soreness levels are still there. Now, first I want to know, and I, I need to clarify if this is muscular soreness or, or joint soreness, but we'll get to that in a second. Here's the follow-up part of the question. Is my body telling me I may be doing too much? not taking enough protein, why am I more sore when I seem to skip days coming in? All right, so there's a lot in that question, but in general, why am I sore from my workouts? We're gonna assume, I think, at least for the first part of this question, that this is muscular soreness we're talking about, which will be delayed onset muscle soreness. You can all look it up if you want, it's called DOMS. Um, I don't think it's fully known the reason behind DOMS, but what it is is basically your muscles get sore about 24 to 48 hours after a workout. Uh, especially when you're very new. Uh, interesting part about this question is this person's been coming for close to about five times a week. So what would your answer or follow-up questions to that be? Yeah, so I, I think the first thing to, that we have to figure out is, are you actually sore every day? And in knowing where this question came from and in knowing other people that have asked a similar question, the answer to that is usually no. Like People usually aren't experiencing seven-day-per-week muscular soreness. Um, but they do recognize when they are sore for two or three days out of the week. So until muscular soreness prevents you from leaving your house and going out on Fridays and Saturday nights, the way I know some members do, especially ones that ask questions like this, <laughs> then we could talk about this soreness being an issue. Uh, and then in this particular circumstance, it's definitely muscular soreness um, and then in other scenarios, it's always been a muscular soreness type question. Um, usually people use the term pain, I think, when they're speaking of like joint discomfort um, and asking a question. But ultimately, uh, in this circumstance, I need to know exactly how often are you sore? And then when are you feeling the soreness? And then when have we made progressive jumps in your program to potentially make you a little bit more sore than last time? Um, but 
I'd say I'd say this. Um, if you ever went through like a like a camp of any sport where you went from like training pretty hard in the gym or uh, doing some sprints here and there to get ready and then you were thrust into a two to three hour sport practice, whatever the sport is, chances are that's when you really experience soreness that you're like concerned. I remember basketball mm-hmm. season every year. Mm. And like I would spend as much time in the gym as anybody. I loved working out. But the first day you put me on a basketball court to do a bunch of sprints, change of direction drills, and do that for two consecutive hours, I remember wanting to cry as we were jogging around the basketball court uh, on the second day of practice because my hamstrings and calves were so sore that I didn't want to be there. And I I was 16, 17 years old and literally like wanted to cry. yeah, same. Football football was a different thing for me. We had triple sessions. I'm sure you did too in high school. Oh no. Which are illegal now. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah no, we were, were we were there all we were there all. Yeah, I was <laughs> I'm much I'm older old than enough you. <laughs> and it was it was illegal by the time it got yeah, to me. So uh, the level of soreness there was insane. I remember we would just go sit in the hallway in the air conditioning, you know, with our hour rest between our two hour sessions. We had six hours total per day on Saturdays. And um and just like throw ice on our legs and stuff like that. I was just sore everywhere. But basketball season specifically, I remember my inner thighs, uh, my adductors, uh, my groin from doing shuffle drills. So our coaches made us do endless shuffle drills. We'd go around the court in one direction, go back around the court, and it was like 10 minutes at a time. I don't know. It felt like that. And you'd be getting yelled at if you were not um, staying low. So you're like low. And then the next morning waking up to drive myself to practice, I was like, how am I going to move in practice? I am so sore. I can barely get my pants on. And they were super baggy pants, too, at that point in my life. So, you know, if I couldn't get those pants on, imagine my joggers now. Well, uh, you had to make your own pants back then. <laughs> and then the soreness that you had from football was usually in your head because you only had those leather helmets. They really had, like, the protective layer. With the helmets. Wait, did you guys have helmets and pads? <laughs> we didn't have any of that stuff. Cleats? We did bare feet, man. Um but yes, I same thing. The, the specificity of basketball and doing those specific movements that I wasn't ready for was a uh, was a crazy level of soreness. So I cut you off. I don't know where you were heading with that, but yeah, uh, yeah. Soreness, so uh, ultimately, like just questioning the credibility of the uh, severity of the soreness based on the question. But one, yeah, that's one thing. And I I know people get sore all the time when they're working out. But we we like when our clients are somewhere between kind of sore and moderately sore yeah. during a training program. Because based on in, in knowing the program that, we're, that we have everyone on, we know we're probably at a decent amount of volume that they're getting sore from a muscular standpoint, but not too sore that they're unwilling to show up. And there's been uh, some scenarios which a new member would come in and then their first day they do you know, the basics. They do the assessment, which is one mm-hmm. set of maybe six to eight exercises, and they are brutally sore the next day, yeah. and they are unwilling to either come back ever <laughs> or at least not come back for the next week. Uh, so I think, I think the fact that if you are getting sore and the soreness is something you would categorize between a one and four on a scale of one through 10, soreness, I think that's a pretty good, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. And uh, especially when we know all the variables that are on your program that are potentially leading you in that direction. Uh, what would be tougher to track is if you came in one day, did a workout here, and then the next day you went to some other gym and did like a group X workout, and then you were really sore after that one. We really don't have any way to track your volume to determine that we really exceeded the amount of workload that we can give to you uh, to 
to have you feel the appropriate amount of soreness instead of excess soreness. Yeah. Um, good point. On So the level of soreness is important to that question. We need to know, is it a level 10 every time you're in? Because that's something that's probably a little concerning for some reason. And that means you can't go out on the weekends <laughs> if that's the case. That means you can't go party on Fridays and Saturdays and cancel weekend sessions. Uh, it's fun knowing the people who ask these questions. <laughs> um, so just to put it into perspective, I've been working out for quite a while. So have you. I don't know if you feel this way after your workouts, but in general, I am sore in the muscles that I specifically trained every time the day after that I train them. So for example, if I train more upper body on Monday, I'm generally sore in the upper body muscles that I trained on Tuesday, and that's good. I'm, I'm fine with that. I kind of like that. Uh, and then same thing on uh, Thursday after doing lower body training. Um, so I'm still sore too, and I've been training pretty consistently for a while now. And to me, it's a pretty good sign. Although I'm interested in your in your uh, experience on this, because I believe I've read somewhere there's not actually a direct correlation between the muscular soreness you feel and the amount your muscles have improved or not. Like it doesn't necessarily always mean your muscles got better. So you shouldn't get hung up on the fact if you're trying to gain muscle that I need to be sore every time. But just like that guy with the abs that you were talking about the one time. He's like, I understand this doesn't really matter, but I just want to feel I it. I want to feel it. And I'm, I'm kind of there with the muscular soreness. I sure. just, I just, to me, in my head, in some way, means I kind of worked at an appropriate level if I'm, you know, like you said, between like a level one to four on muscle soreness. Sometimes it's more. Um, so that's where I'm at. And then the uh, contributing factors that make me more sore is things to be aware of. Alcohol. If I have a little bit more alcohol than normal on a day that I worked out the next day, I'm probably going to be a lot more sore than if I did not. Lack of sleep, which sometimes goes hand in hand with alcohol, same thing. So if I if my kids keep me up or something after a workout, I'm going to be more sore the next day than I should have been for this uh, a similar workout. Or if I happen to get sick like within a day or two after working out. Those are three quick things that I know will always make me extremely sore closer to a level nine or 10 for a workout that should have made me between a level one to five on soreness. Yeah. So <clears throat> there was someone at a seminar once, I forget who it was. I want to say Cosgrove. Uh, and when he was presenting, he made the point of, Hey, everyone who's in this room right now, raise your hand. If you like being sore, everyone raise your hand. And he's like, guess, guess how many of your gym members like feeling sore. And we all just kind of looked at each other like, well, the first people I think of are uh, nobody. <laughs> like, and he's like, you understand the difference of like marketing? I think it was a marketing conversation. He's like, do you understand the difference between marketing to yourself versus marketing to the people that would actually attend your gym? People don't want to feel the way you love feeling the day after you work out, which is so true. Like if, if I'm like struggling to walk around a little bit, it's like it's a badge of honor. It's like my workout was hard enough to create soreness. Uh, for me specifically, very much so uh, from a clockwork perspective, I start a new program with different exercises and I usually get sore, even though the volume is dramatically reduced from the prior program that I was training on. So when I incorporate new exercises, I almost always get sore. In the middle of the program, I almost never get sore. At the end of the program, when I really try to push and increase the volume and increase the difficulty of each set, I get sore again. So the beginning and the end of each program, I generally get sore. In the middle, I usually don't. And that's with a that's with like a, a, a thought-out plan of trying to increase by X percentage on these exercises on a weekly basis. Um, I think that first exposure to some of the exercises on a program 
will create soreness. They're just going to hit the musculature a little bit differently. There's potentially going to be a different rep range. If you think about the difference of you know, the analogy we just used before of, uh, of you know, basketball practice after lifting weights, if you lift weights consistently and really hard for months, lifting might not make you sore anymore. But if you go on a one-mile jog, you might be excruciatingly sore. And to your point before, that doesn't necessarily mean that one mile of running equals greater muscular uh, disruption from a muscle growth standpoint than lifting weights. Lifting weights is probably still going to be better for you. Um, but since it's it's a new activity happening at different speeds with different impact levels, uh, you know your muscles are reacting a little bit differently to that activity. So it's a new stimulus to them, and they're getting sore in response to that. Um, so for me personally, beginning of the program, end of the program, I'm almost always sore. Middle of the program, I'm usually never sore. Uh, and I'd like to know, like, I think we should ask Lauren, I, I want to know her opinion of uh, nutrition and how it relates to the potential soreness. Because generally yeah. speaking, I've always been of the belief that if you're in a calorie deficit and you're training hard, chances are you're probably going to be a little bit more sore than if you were eating excess. It only makes sense log logically, and I don't know that this is true, but... If your body can't repair itself quickly and it doesn't have the materials to do so, it logically makes sense that you're probably going to feel more pain. Um, and I did read, like, in my head, I, I want to go back and find this. In the, in the first certification I got, I remember, like, it being on a page in the bottom left corner. Like, I could almost see it in my head because it kind of uh, jogged me, like, jogged my memory of something about the delayed onset muscle soreness um, and reading about the fact that if you had sufficient amino acids – right, all the certain categories of amino acids, like the, the, uh, all the essential ones, if you had the right amounts, like in a perfect amount scenario, which is very hard if you're going to break them down into all the amino acids, um, essential and non-essential, all these things, then you would not be as sore. So it was, I think they were pulling from a study, and it was talking about delayed onset muscle soreness, and I think it was just touching on the fact that potentially more protein, like this person asked, could help offset that if that's something that you want. Um, and it might be beneficial, but yeah, I think I think it would be great to ask Lauren because I don't know enough about it. I kind of just like I'm at that point. I'm like I kind of like to feel the soreness, and I kind of like it, and that's where I'm at. <laughs> we eat nothing on days you work out. <laughs> yeah, I want to feel so more we feel sore. More sore. <laughs> um, and then once you are sore, another interesting topic in that um, you know things that we just generally believe is like once you're sore, a lot of people are like, oh, well, stretch, foam roll, you know, do all, oh, do stuff point. like that yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to, and you'll be less sore. You'll, or you'll get over your soreness quicker. And, and it's almost like the, the benefits of flexibility training in the moment. It's like, it may help you for the next five, seven, eight minutes, but ultimately you're going to be sore again in a couple of minutes. So generally speaking, it seems like the best advice you can give to somebody is to just remain active. Mm, uh, mm -hmm. But, I mean, what's the difference it's going to make in the total duration that you're experiencing soreness? Probably something not worth worrying about. Just let your soreness run its course. Uh, still live your life. You don't have to be crippled in bed. I highly doubt it. If you can make it out to the local restaurant on Friday night, then you could probably still come to the gym the next day. <laughs> After you start activity and blood starts flowing for five, six, seven, eight minutes, you're probably going to feel just fine doing your normal program. So all in all, I, I think you'll be uh, just fine experiencing some soreness. Uh, but it, it's a great question because a lot of people have it. You know, they're um, like, when I'm sore, what do I do? You know, or, uh, why am I getting sore at this frequency? But I also think a lot of people think they're more sore than they generally are um, because it stands out to them so much the two or three days a week that it happens for, you know, every other week. Gotcha. 
definitely good point. So I, I mentioned some things that uh, cause more soreness for me, but like James just said, for me, like if I don't really care about the soreness. Obviously, we talked about that. But if you, uh, on the other end of this, want to limit your soreness, it seems like for me, when I get back in the gym and I train the same muscle group or just get my blood flowing in general and kind of move through that soreness, like let's take squats, something I don't do clearly any of. Uh, so I don't know anything about them. But if, if I were to squat and I were to get sore from squats, <laughs> uh, a good strategy would be coming in a day or two later and doing some bodyweight squats and working through that soreness a little bit. Like, yeah, it's going to be a little painful. You're not really causing any long-term damage. Um, but then you go through that soreness, you get blood back to your muscles. And again, like this is just kind of logically thinking that like blood delivers, you know, the nutrients to your muscles that they need to heal themselves. And if you increase blood flow activity to the muscle, then you probably decrease soreness faster. Again, it's just a subjective uh, opinion and it just seems to be what I've seen. I'm not really sure about that. I have to look into it. Yeah. And I think in ultimately the two camps of like, oh, if I'm sore, that's a really bad thing. No, not necessarily. It's potentially a good thing. But then the other camp of you and I saying like, oh, soreness is a great thing. No, not necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> like it could be, it could definitely be overdone. So uh, as long as that soreness is probably between that one to four level on a scale of one through 10, and it's not getting worse every single time you work out, um, you're probably experiencing similar levels of soreness over the course of a program and at different points in the program. Uh, totally normal, very normal. Uh, in fact, I would love for everyone to feel some sort of soreness somewhere in a program. That was a solid alliteration. Did you hear that? Do it again. I forget. Uh, can I forget you what the sentence was, but so many S's back to back. Did you hear that? I did. Ooh, it made me wonder. I, I would love for someone to, to, what did you say? We'll have to play it back. Someone to sense some level of soreness. Wow. Oh, yeah. All right. Look, write that down. I gotta Someone put that... somewhere to sense some level of soreness. <laughs> that's gonna, that's <laughs> going to my... Something like that. That's, gonna, <laughs> that's going to my book of rhymes. Um, but yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing if you are sore, uh, unless it's extremely sore to the point that you can't make it out on Friday nights, which we don't know anybody who that's ever been the case for. Uh, but it's not necessarily a good thing either. You shouldn't, you shouldn't critique um, the value of your training session by how sore you are either. If I end up going out on Friday night and dancing poorly, I'm going to blame my poor dancing on my soreness. <laughs> that's for sure. If that's a problem, if any of you guys go out on a Friday night, I really wanted to dance with my friends and have a good time, but I couldn't because I was sore. Like, I'll, like you get refunded that week. <laughs> that's a bold statement. Yeah, you get refunded that week if you end up. All of a but sudden, I need proof. All of a sudden, none of I our need, members can dance. I need, I need video proof of you yes. sitting down cons for three consecutive hours with your friends dancing on the floor. Posted to social media, video proof of you <laughs> trying to dance in front of your friends and the rest of the people on the dance floor and failing at it. Then and only then you will get a refund. That's right. You have and, to fall. And yeah, and yeah, you 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 trying to get back on the floor, but looking zombie-ish and then just giving up. <laughs> Uh, Somebody's going to do that. Somebody's definitely going to send us a video. Great question. Yeah, all, right, all in all, question. despite the jokes, very good question. Great. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are going to find a lot of value in that because I think a lot of people are wondering the same thing. That was great. All right, next one. Uh, so this was asked in two slightly different ways from a husband and wife that didn't know that they were asked like a, the same question. So the one is pretty tough to answer. That's in how you this know way. you're meant for each other That's right, right there. Wow, what a perfect Valentine's couple. Day segue. <laughs> OMG, honey, we asked the same question. That's unbelievable. Uh, here's the question that's a little too vague to answer, and James will give his thoughts on it. How many days per week should I work out at PPS? And the other one, which is a little easier to answer, but we still need some more information, is how many days per week should I work out for muscle growth? 
So I think that one gives us just a little more information that we can um, guide you a little better. But to somebody that asked either of those questions, what would you say? Yeah. So I need to know where you're coming from. I need to know what you've done in the past or in, more importantly in the recent past to determine how much training volume, how many days per week, how many hours, how many sets per muscle group or movement that you should be doing to try to either grow muscle or even let's say, let's to be general, how much, how long or how, uh, how much duration over the course of a week you should be exercising. Because I would hate to say five days a week and then someone say, okay, I haven't worked out for four years and starting tomorrow, I'm gonna exercise five days a week. And then having such a, such, an, such a surplus in volume, in training volume for the next week that they end up getting hurt or they lose motivation because adding five hours to their weekly schedule after a four-year layoff just does not work with, uh, with, with their schedule right now. Um, so it's really tough to always just say something generic like, oh, three to five, two to four, uh, you know, every day, twice a day, <laughs> like, uh, like, like the TikTok you guys put out. Um, yeah, eight times a week. Yeah. Uh, no, eight, sorry, eight days a week. Eight days a week. Two times per day. day. Yeah. That's the ideal. Actually, that we can, we're done with the answer. That's the answer <laughs> done. Moving on. Go do it. Uh, so I, I really need to know what you've done and where you're coming from to, to have a good determination of how many days per week you should be coming. There's a lot of people that come in that if they haven't done anything for a long period of time and they say that they want to come in a lot, like, yeah, hey, I want to start working out five days a week. We will make their program so overly simple on each day because that's the only way they're going to be able to handle that amount of volume. Um, so really easy, simple workouts that don't create excess soreness uh, on those first couple of sessions. Um, but they feel like they, they want to at least start the habit of getting into the gym every day. Uh, so we're less, we're less focused on giving them a 10 out of 10 workout each session but we're more focused on trying to get them in the gym as frequently as they'd like to in some way, shape, or form without having them lose motivation. Um, but generally speaking, I would say this. If you've been going to the gym two days a week, maybe you should start going three. If you've been going to the gym three days a week and you want more results, maybe you should start going four. If you've been doing four, maybe you should start going five. Um, but to show both ends of the spectrum, there have been circumstances where somebody has come in and I've said, you just need to get in the gym one day a week because anything more than that I think will be overwhelming for you. And then there have been circumstances which I've said, you need to come to the gym seven days a week because it sounds like you're someone who loves to be at the gym all the time and I'm not going to take that away from you. I'll let you come to the gym seven days a week. I'm not going to tell you to only come three, four, or five days a week if you love seven days a week. If you want this to be part of your habit and part of your daily regimen, that's fine. But we need to know as a high-quality training staff that we need to make manipulations to the programming to make sure we're not overtraining despite it being a seven-day-a-week uh, program schedule. So we, just, we need to be able to be reactive to what we're getting uh, from the clients, uh, members, from the members when they first come in. And if they say, listen, I'm coming to the gym every day. And if, you, if, I'm, not gonna, if I'm not coming here seven days a week, I'm going to go somewhere. They're like, all right, I'd rather be in control of what you do seven days a week and try to modify your overall training volume over that seven day time frame. that I feel like we're still doing productive things and you're not at high risk of injury. Let's talk in generalities real quick. So that was all really good. So let's give two general scenarios just to try to help people out like a baseline for weight loss and muscle growth. 
So let's say you come in and your main goal is muscle growth. You, um, you don't really care about weight loss. In general, how many days minimum should you be aiming to get to the gym? And then let's say the other person comes in and their goal is 100% weight loss. They don't really even care about muscle growth. And we've talked previous, previously about the importance of that. So that, that's kind of a side. How many days a week would you recommend them come in? Assuming they're not going to change their diet too much. Because yep. I know that's going to be a huge factor in your answer. So let's role play situation one. Ooh, role play. Yeah, let's do it. One day. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of jokes just came up. Um, all right. So with that being said, how many days per week have you been working out, Mr. Smith? I've been doing three days a week consistently. Oh, oh okay. And how long have you been doing three days a week? A year. Okay. And you're unhappy to this point with the progress of your muscle gain. Yeah, totally not ready for summer. I want more muscle for the beach. Gotcha. So and you... I feel like I've had some results, but not what I want. Nice. I like it. All right, Mr. Smith. Glad to hear. So you've been going three days a week consistently for the last 52-ish weeks, and you're unhappy with your muscle gain. Uh, so chances are that you've hit somewhat of a homeostasis in your training volume. If I were to guess, you've been doing a, a similar training volume on a weekly basis for the last year have you gone through any periods of time where you feel like you've done a lot more or a lot less than other weeks or has it been relatively consistent I'm kind of stuck on homeostasis are you uh like an eastern <laughs> <laughs> are you an eastern trainer what's a pelvis what is this mysterious homeostasis you're talking about so you're you're kind of stuck where you've been at because yes what I'm, been... I'm stuck it's a real answer i had really good results for the first two or three months and since then not much has changed yeah Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. So for you, I definitely want to get you in the gym four days a week. So one, in not even knowing what you've been doing at the gym, when you've gone those three days a week, I know that you coming here four days a week will at least add a day of training, which will be beneficial. Two, we're going to be in control of your exercise selection to maximize uh, the hypertrophy effect that you're looking for. So you're trying to build muscle. So we're going to develop a program that uh, is geared towards putting on muscle for those four days a week. And then uh, from there, we're also going to be able to critique your form to make sure that you're doing the exercises optimally to induce muscle gain and not just go through the motions or just accomplish the reps that you want to accomplish if you decide to do like a three by 10, three sets of 10 protocol. Mm, cool. So four days a week it is. <laughs> Beach ready in two months. There you go. <laughs> uh, all right. So, so. To that person, you had to know a little bit more backstory. Uh, so then, would it be similar to a weight loss uh, individual, somebody that just really wants to prioritize weight loss to get beach ready, doesn't really care about muscles, just wants to be thin? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it, the, the questions will be very similar. Like, how many days per week have you been doing? What have you been doing? Yeah. Um, and then, like, you know, without even getting into the nutrition side of it, just what could I do to maybe bump up their training volume 15, 20% from what they're doing? Uh, at this point to get to make them feel like they're moving in the right direction. So if this is someone who tells me that they've just been going on 30-minute walks twice a week, awesome. If you can get into the gym twice a week and still keep those two walks, that's huge. You know, that, that's, that's tremendous. That's double or triple the amount of total workload that you're doing from a duration standpoint. Uh, so I think knowing exactly what they've done uh, and then how they feel about what they've been doing, whether it's been successful or not, like that's huge in determining the amount of uh, overall days per week that they should be doing in the future. Got it. Yeah. It's it. So the point being, it's very tough to answer these questions. Like we know the individuals who ask these questions, but we're trying to answer them in a way that helps the most amount of people on this. 
Um, and it, that's really hard. So you would just need more information for your specific scenar uh, scenario. Because all those things you do out of the gym matter. You know, are you at sedentary at your job completely and you do nothing outside of the gym? Well, our answer is going to change a little bit. Do you go rock climbing every weekend and surfboarding? And, you know, are you highly active? Mm -hmm. um, are you burning a ton of calories outside of the gym and you still want to gain muscle? Like that's going to, you know, change the answer. Yeah. The, the duration that you've been working out previously, like you alluded to. Yeah. Uh, all those things. And we didn't even really touch on diet because that's going to be a big Huge. conversation as well. We also yeah. need to know what's going on there. Yeah. I think your YouTube answer, if you were to look for it and just, you know, how many days per week should I work out? You're probably going to get three to five in your average uh, YouTube search. And then how many, uh, what exercises should I do for each muscle group or how many should I do for each of those muscle groups? You maybe do three to five exercises per muscle group that you really want to grow. Uh, and then within those uh, exercises, you're doing three to four, we'll say three to five sets per exercise. Um, and I think that would be a good general guideline to say for someone who's asking about hypertrophy in mm -hmm. general. Um, but that being said, Can we go with those fancy words again. Yeah. Homeostasis, hypertrophy. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are uh, big words, if you're <laughs> if you're significantly undertrained, you'll need significantly less to promote hypertrophy. If you've been muscle growth, if you've been <laughs> training way harder, way longer for uh, an extended period of time, you'll probably need a little bit more than that. So, again, the, the, the answer to everything in life, right? It depends. Mm -hmm. but, but it definitely depends on what you've been doing, how long you've been doing it, how difficult it's been, uh, what your nutrition is. Uh, there's so many variables that it's always tough to just answer questions like that. Uh, but ultimately, I guess the best way to say it is do a little more than you have in the past. What if we just tell them to do what they love? Yeah. <laughs> well, how passionate are you about this? You know what? Just do what you love. <laughs> and you'll see the results. That's good. Uh, all right. That brings us to, I think this is going to be really fun, a daycare analogy. So as a parent, this is very applicable to me. And I think uh, a lot of you listening who have kids will love this section. And if you don't, Listen anyway, it's going to be hilarious. Let's go. Tell us about the daycare analogy. Uh, so I was talking to John earlier about this, and we're always trying to think of ways to try to communicate our message where we want to say something so simple to someone, but it's – is that another alliteration? We want to say something so simple to someone. Man. Uh, killing it. Uh, but it's hard to get the message across with just using words or explaining or describing. So we were talking about uh, – about daycare and then in reference to gyms. So question is, you drop your kid off at three daycares. The first daycare your kid absolutely hates, but you like it, you know, you go in there, the, you know, the teacher, the daycare person. You call that person. The, the daycarer, the, the daycare day giver. Carer, the daycare giver. <laughs> the daycare giver. Uh, the chaperone. Like, yeah, we're, gonna, we're gonna read these, we're gonna read these books today. Uh, we're gonna have a nice lesson. Uh, we're gonna learn. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be great for your kid. And then you, you're like, oh well, that sounds great. Uh, let's do this. And then you pick your kid up an hour later, and your kid is like, wow, I hated that. That was the worst experience. Do you want to ever bring me back there? I am unwilling to go back. I will fight you tooth and nail. I won't eat dinner for weeks <laughs> if you even think about bringing me back there. And then your mom says, what if we get McDonald's? And you say, yes, bring me back. <laughs> McDonald's after, please. <laughs> now I'll go to daycare every day. Um, so. Your child has decided that, listen, I'm not going to this daycare. It's not happening. Like, there's no way. I will scream, kick, and cry. Do not bring me there. So you bring the daycare number two. <clears throat> daycare number two, 
I drop them off, and uh, there's just like all this crazy stuff going on. There's really no supervision. Um, there's like blocks set up and uh, boxes. The kids are jumping on, jumping off. There's a fist fight with two kids going on in the corner, and your kid's like, "Oh, this looks awesome." He goes in, he plays for the hour, and you're like, "Nope, get out of yeah. here!" Like we're not like we're sharp not metal objects. This. So, yeah, there's a knife fight over here between these two kids. Like, just crazy Live stuff going on. to play with. <laughs> <laughs> so, ultimately, you're like, oh, well, my, my kid at least thought that was fun, but I'm not letting him go there because it's not safe. Then you take him to daycare number three. And then daycare number three, uh, you see as like, oh, you know what? There's a lot of fun stuff going on here, uh, it looks like. It seems like uh, my kid likes it. So you drop them off, pick them up an hour later, like, yeah, that was great. That was awesome. I feel like uh, I had a fun time at that daycare, which is all they care about. And you feel secure as a parent and that it was a safe environment. You talk to the daycare giver and you were uh, very impressed by them. And uh, they had fun with your child, connected with them on many levels. So uh, you're like, you know what? That's the daycare for you. But for some reason, we have difficulty selecting a gym or a place to go train in that same exact circumstance. Where you go to one gym and it's just, there's not a great training environment. You're really not into it. You go as a member maybe, but you really don't like working out on your own. Um, and you're like, you know what? Like, yeah, that was like a decent workout, but it really, I don't know. I wasn't really into it. And then you go to some like crazy hardcore gym and like, uh, you know, everyone's screaming and yelling and like. Barbells getting thrown around yeah, left and right. All, all over Jump the up place. on that bar. Get on top of that bar. Like, yeah, like this Hang is, upside this is down. Great. Don't fall off. And then <laughs> after after you go to a gym like that, maybe you're the type of person to be stimulated by something like that the way I would be. Um, yeah, your energy level probably feels great. But then uh, your but trainer then your just keeps throwing the bar. And, like, like your back's probably yeah, hurting. Yeah, you're throwing weights on the bar that the trainer's giving you that you're really not making the choice of and just ask, lift more, lift more. Uh, run faster, do more this, do more that. And the next thing you know, you're injured. And then after that, you go to a gym where there seems to be this combination of really hard work and a really good training environment. And uh, it almost seems like those are few and far between. But I think ultimately, if we all search for that, if you guys have friends or family members that live in different areas, like ask them to, to think of those two things before they decide to go to a gym um, that they want to go to. You know, do they need the appropriate supervision? Does it need to be fun? Does it need to be safe? How do you keep them motivated to continue going to the gym, but also keep them safe so they continue going? And obviously this relates back to like our, like our principles and what we try to do with everyone here. But uh, I think a lot of people think that there's an inverse relationship between fun and effective when it comes to training. Like, oh yeah, if, if you're gonna do that safe workout, you're not gonna get any results. Um, or like if you want real results, you go as heavy as you possibly can every single time you enter the gym. And everyone thinks that there's really no middle ground a lot of times. But, uh, you know, as fitness professionals, we obviously do. And I think a lot of people maybe just need to like search around to gyms, you know, if you're not local or anything, you can't just stop in here. But uh, if you like look around at different gyms and find what you think is fun and effective and safe for you that like you, it's something you see yourself doing for the next two to five years. Because the amount of members that we've had for two to five years is absolutely insane. Uh, we have a lot of people who have been here for a very long time because of those things. It's fun. Uh, it's effective. They see results. And it's safe, meaning they, they don't have to take months off because of injuries all the time. Um, and th this whole like thought is kind of inspired by like people I've talked to 
who have gotten injured so many times in the gym and they just keep going back and they, in fact, can't wait to go back to this fun training gym that they're at. The people their age, like shirts are off, throwing weights around, uh, all that good stuff. Like, listen, I, I love training hard. Um, but if it's at the expense of you actually training for a full 12 months and you're actually working out for seven or eight months a year because you're injured for four or five, then it's probably not that beneficial despite how hard the next workout is going to be. So when you're trying to think of a gym, think of where would I send my kid to daycare? And then think of yourself and where should you be at the gym? <laughs> I'm thinking of the first place, the first gym, like the dry, boring one. I don't think there's many of these that exist because like without the energy level, it's really tough. But like there's a dry, boring gym. The trainer's really uptight. They're not fit at all probably. Like they're probably pretty weak. And they're like, all right, today we're going to learn how to optimally tie your shoes. Mm. Everybody lace up your shoes. Let me come check. <laughs> Until your shoes are perfect, we ain't lifting anything. Yes, yes. And like, that, and then you're like, this kind of sucks. Like, I just want to lift some weights and like sweat. Like, and I'm tying my shoelaces the right way. Yep. Like, I think they were good enough before. Yeah. Well, you need to be functional first. Yeah. You know, before you be touching That's any the weights. Word. Man, That's the word. Let's make sure yeah. our technique is perfect. Yeah. We need to be functional before we lift any weights. And when we lift weights, we only have up to six pounds anyway. Um, and that will definitely change your fitness level. And guess what? You're not going to get hurt at that gym. Yeah. But and you're not going to have any fun at all. And then, uh, and you're not going to get results either. On the other end of the spectrum, have you ever been to a gym that's that's the, the opposite? Where there was a place I went to by uh, where I went to college. And just walking into the place, mind you, I had no standards for gyms. I didn't get like, I'm like, I'm here to work out hard. So I walked in and uh, I'm like, wow, this place is like, disgusting even by my standards like i can't believe people come in here and work out uh all the machines were on top of each other it was a small place uh powerlifting gym there's chalk everywhere and i'm like it's kind of a cool place to work out it seems like you know like everyone's really into it uh everyone's lifting heavy uh but i know my buddy that was lifting there consistently he was injured three four months a year every single year but could not wait to go back uh, I kind of pointed out to him, like, you don't you realize that you're only training for two-thirds of every year because you're always hurt? <laughs> I was like, maybe just, like, change your approach a little bit. Like, do you think that you'd benefit more if you actually worked out for a full 12 months a year as opposed to two-thirds of the year but going all out every single session? And I think those are the two ends of the spectrum of, uh, you know, if you're trying to look for something that's uh, super fun and uh, really exciting, like there may be some uh, inherent risk associated with choosing a place like that. And on the other end of the spectrum, you don't wanna choose the place that's like super safe, <laughs> but won't get you any results. Gotta find the middle ground. That's right. Almost like there's a middle ground right here in Martinsville. <laughs> <laughs> Stop on by. <laughs> Summer's red. <laughs> Coming soon. Coming soon. Uh, all right, that's it. Episode what, eight? Eight. <clears throat> Episode eight in the books. And for what it's worth, somebody told me, I think they told you last night too, that they, they pitched an idea to get Eminem. What song do you want on here? <laughs> Lose Yourself. That's so what you. The, that's the song you wanted on here. No, that's just the song clarify. you wanted on here. Just to, Eminem, if you're listening, I didn't want your song on here. John did. He that's complete. Why are you denying your <laughs> destiny over here to have Eminem on your podcast? So she pitched the idea that, that to the member who secures that song for us, gets a lifetime membership for free. And I was like, wow, that's a pretty big trade-off. I don't know. There might be something to that. Uh, Good luck, though, because it's going to be tough. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, if someone knows loopholes of, of how to like 
put it on here, but not it really be the actual version. I, I don't know. Maybe there's a maybe there's a loophole. Like if we add an extra little drum in there. Is that all it takes? Maybe. <laughs> Just add a little drum noise. It might be. All right. Till next Let's time. Let's try it and see what happens. What are we gonna talk about next time? We give a teaser. Uh, well, we have a lot of questions, but I don't think we need to tease the questions. Um, I don't think we have a teaser. Yeah, I can't think of anything. Either. Sorry, guys. No All teaser. right, guys. If you think this is helpful for anyone, make sure you send it to them. We need more people to listen to this, I think. Can we see the viewers? Yeah, I can send you them. Oh. All right. I guess I haven't How done many? that. Can we get up to 100? Have we gone up to 100 uh, First episode has passed 100 listeners. Stop. Yeah, I didn't even check back again recently, but well over 100 first episode. Last time I looked, the other ones were like in the 70s. And the more recent ones were in the 40 to 50 right, range. Well, we need 1 million listeners. <laughs> so send this to your friends. That's our goal. 2022 Peace. goal? 1, 1 million, million listeners. And then Eminem comes on. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>